0: Welcome to Everything Nonprofit, a podcast where we reveal the secrets,
1: tips, and tricks for
0: leading a nonprofit. My name is Carmen.
1: And I'm Kayla. As nonprofit founders, we know firsthand how challenging and overwhelming it can be to build a nonprofit from the ground up. This is a podcast for nonprofit executives by nonprofit executives. If you need advice on starting your own nonprofit organization, or are looking to expand your knowledge of nonprofit operations, stay tuned.
0: Today we have a very special guest, Bob Pranoval. For those who don't know, Kayla and I started the Project Management Volunteers Puget Sound chapter in 2021 and Bob is a linchpin of the parent organization, Project Management Volunteers, or PMV in Vancouver, BC. He founded PMV in 2009, more than 10 years ago, with a mission to provide free project management resources to local nonprofits.
1: Besides his work at Project Management Volunteers, Bob has extensive experience in both public and private sector organizations, working with a broad scope of operational, risk, and project management issues. He engages with senior leaders, enabling them to translate business strategy into positive and measurable results. Welcome to the show, Bob.
2: Thank you. It's great to be with you.
1: Since Kayla and myself founded the Puget
0: Sound chapter in 2021, we have poured our hearts into it because we really believe in its mission and how much of an impact it can have on the project management community. Bob, something we have been so eager to know is what inspired you to begin Project Management Volunteers or PMV in the first place back in 2009? What was going through your mind when you came up with the idea?
2: What was I thinking? I needed a new project. Uh, back in actually a little bit before 2009, in 2008, I, I made a decision to go back to school, to go back to university after many years away from academia, and I chose uh, project management as a discipline I wanted to learn more about. So I enrolled in UBC in their project management program and discovered in my class uh, a, a number of people who were taking the course who were worked in the nonprofit sector, which at the time I knew very little about. So of course I immediately became very attracted to them and you know, spent my our breaks talking about what types of projects they were involved in and what their organizations did. And it all became quite fascinating to me. And I realized that even though a lot of nonprofit organizations, a lot of their work was being delivered on sort of a project management basis, in reality, there were very few actual project managers in the sector and most people doing this work were really doing it off the sides of their desk. They usually had at least one or two other jobs and really didn't have a lot of background or a lot of experience in project management. So I thought that was kind of interesting that we had a you know, fairly major sector um, of our economy doing work in project management with no project managers. That, that seemed to be a bit of a gap for me. Uh, not too long after I finished my uh, program at UBC, I um, got my uh, PMP designation and realized very quickly after, as, as I'm sure you both know, congratulations, you've got your designation and by the way, every three years, you're going to re-qualify that by, by earning those professional development units. And I did a little bit of research and I realized, well, one of the ways you can do that it, uh, it, to earn those PDUs is actually to volunteer and use mm-hmm. your project management skills. So I was sitting with a friend of mine uh, one night and we were talking about this and I said, hey, I've got this crazy idea. I said, what about if we got uh, project managers who work in the sector to volunteer their time and work for some of these nonprofit organizations, that have these great projects that they're struggling to deliver, and at the same time, they can earn some PDUs. And he went, fantastic idea. He said, all you have to do is get it started. And that's really how it got going.
1: Awesome. So as the founder of PMB, do you have a vision of where you think it's going or is there a legacy that you want to leave behind? Yeah,
2: I, you know, I guess I think the role of a founder really is to have the initial idea and then to create the vision for the organization initially and then, and then to make it real, make it a reality. And and I'm not sure that founders vision sometimes should really go much further than that. Uh, I think the people that uh, came to help me with the the startup of PMV, and there there were many. They were a tremendously talented team. Some of them are still involved in the organization today. I'm happy to say, you know, really, it, it was their work that's the foundation of PMV, and have brought it to where it is now. Um, and I think the vision of where it goes from here, it's 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 up to the leaders of the organization. It, it's up uh, up to folks like you too. Who have had your own vision to, to bring PMV and to bring the concept into into another community. So I, I applaud you for that. And um, my role now is simply to stand on the sidelines and applaud. Thanks for sharing that, Bob.
0: And going back to the basics, can you tell our listeners, what is project management and why is it so important, especially in the nonprofit and social impact realm?
2: Yeah, I mean, volumes of books and podcasts and videos have been written about what project management is and what it isn't. So, uh, you know, at risk of of offending some of those uh, those experts. I mean, really, from a a, I look at project management as a way to get things done. You know, if you boil it down, that's that's really what it's about. It, It provides some alternative approaches like waterfall or agile. Uh, there's a bunch of tools that organizations can use to help move their initiatives and projects forward. I, I think where it becomes important in this in the social impact sector is that you know because we're trying to in that sector we're never really trying to solve simple problems. We're always working on things that are uh, really important. Like there are some of our toughest challenges and problems. You know homelessness, uh, poverty, the opioid crisis. Uh, you know these are these are big big hairy issues and if project management can can help us uh, working in the sector in any way to even create any type of momentum against these problems, then I think it's critically important that we all know how to use it and that we do use it.
1: And Bob you you already talked about this in a little bit um, but it seems like nonprofits aren't leveraging project management to their fullest potential. Why do you think that
2: is? Yeah. You know, I, I think there's a lot of upside for nonprofit organizations to really, you know, more fully use project management. But I, I think typically, you know, the barriers to that happening are organizational capacity. Um, you know, nonprofits they often have very tough constraints around you know people funding. You know, their funding sources can shift on them very quickly and sometimes without them having a lot of control so I, I think capacity is a is a big reason why and I think the other one is is simply PM skills and experience uh, you know a lot of people that are that are drawn to work in the in the nonprofit and social impact sector you know they they come there for different reasons uh, they have different motivations for being there and they come with different backgrounds uh, they're tremendously talented in fact in some ways, some of the folks I've worked with are gifted in what they do. But, you know, from a from a technical perspective, whether it's, you know, whether it's a IT project management or facility project management, you know, these are things to them that are they're a bit like voodoo. Like they look at them and go, well, how can people even do that? And I look at them and go, well, you know, how can you how can you get up at three in the morning and find a place for somebody to live who's just knocked at your door, who's been homeless for five years? How can you do that? So, you know, we in a sense, you know, they see project management as as something very challenging and difficult to do because they don't have that skills and experience. So I think that's where, I really think that's where organizations like PMV come in because, you know, we can't can't necessarily resolve some of the capacity constraints that nonprofits have, but what we can do is we can give them access to those PM skills and experience that ordinarily they would not be able to access. Uh, so I, I again I think that's I think that's where you know PMV and other organizations like Vantage Point that build capacity in the nonprofit sector really have a role to play.
0: Yeah, I totally agree with that. That's something I experienced myself when I was working as a volunteer project manager in a nonprofit. The organizational capacity, the resource constraint that you talked about, I I witnessed all of that. And if were to think back on all the times we have worked with nonprofits, what mistakes have you typically seen them making when carrying out projects?
2: Yeah, you know, I, I don't see nonprofit organizations in the context of them making a lot of mistakes with their projects. You know, I think sometimes that's kind of a, an external view of what they do, because I think you have to consider, especially when it comes to quote unquote, project success or project failure, Again, considering, consider some of the problems they're trying to solve and, you know, some people can say, well, your project was, you know, not a success or you know, your project failed. Well, it may have, but generally speaking, they've learned something through that project, which will help them with what they do next. So I'm always a little bit reticent to say. Well, you know, is it the is it was it the, the fault of the project? Is there really a mistake been made, or was is that really a, a critical step in them? Again, trying to solve one of these big hairy pro- societal problems that we've we've given we've we've handed over to the nonprofit sector to try to solve for us as a society, right? So, you know, I, I think the reality is that for many nonprofits. They operate with constraints and risks that some of us can only begin to understand or can't understand at all and you know when they When nonprofits have to approach a project You know they're they're sometimes put in this awkward position where They have to try to fit the objectives of their project and and the scope of what they're trying to do around the requirements of a funder so instead of really perhaps doing what they really wanna do and and focusing on the mission and objectives that really align very closely with the people they're trying to help or the problem they're trying to solve. They say, well, how can we we adjust our project objectives and our scope of work and our deliverables to fit what the funder wants so that we can get the money to do what we really wanna do? And it's in that misalignment sometimes that someone will say, well, your project didn't really hit the mark. And they'll go, well, yeah, not according to what we maybe told the funder, but really we got out of it what we needed to get out of it for the people we're serving. You know, so sometimes there's that there's that difference in alignment. Um, so, and I think the other thing I would say about you know, sort of the success and failure is that you know my experience with most nonprofits is you know they sometimes exec- can execute their projects despite the constraints that they face, and it they demonstrate an unusual level of determination and creativity and ingenuity in how they get it done. And I've often said to some of my private sector friends, you know, if your team would go to some of the extent that, that people go to in the nonprofit sector to make their projects work, you guys said you'd be have a very successful organization, you know, so I think, you know, I, uh, you know, I, I think we have to kind of admire that. And I think there's things that we can actually learn from the nonprofit sector about project management, like that we have some things to offer them and they have some things to offer us to you.
1: Yeah, that's a really good point about quote unquote failure, even though something didn't turn out the way that you wanted it to, there's still lessons learned there. And that's incredibly important. You can take those and apply those to your next project and your next project and so on and so forth. And eventually you're gonna get something that works out the way that you want it to. But we keep talking about constraints within the nonprofit world. We have lack of resources, lack of time, lack of budget. And with that in mind, are there two or three main project management tools or techniques that you would recommend to nonprofits that they could pick up and use?
2: Yeah and this this is a great question and and it's something that we get all the time from our clients and one of the one of the very basic tools of project management is still one of the best and that's the work breakdown structure and it's something that we we always start with with our clients and, and it's we really use it to get an understanding of all of the scope of work of the project and how it all fits together so we we really if nothing else if there's no other tool that organizations will use we always try to get them to start with that work breakdown structure i think after that the schedule is is always the big one and we Try to emphasize to people to to really build out a realistic timeline and consider some of those resource constraints. Uh, and you know, Carmen, you mentioned that before. You know, some of the some of the resource constraints that you ha- you see in nonprofit organizations are a little bit different than what you might see in another organization. And the other thing is, is that you know, often in the in your resources in a in a nonprofit organization, you have this hybrid mix of paid staff, usually not very many, and volunteers so when you're doing a schedule or a timeline for a nonprofit project that has that hybrid mix of of people serving as the resources you have to keep in mind that the volunteer portion of the of the team they likely have lives and other jobs and things they need to do so the way that you might be able to execute the project if you had a let's say a team of contractors or all employees it might look a little bit different And a great example that we ran into with PMV on this is in one of our earliest projects. It was an IT implementation project for a social services agency in Vancouver. And they had had actually received a a quote and a project plan from a a professional IT implementation organization to do it. And they went, oh, well, we could never afford to do that. They said to PMV, maybe we could use some volunteer project managers to help us with this. And we looked at it, and actually the project went very well. But the timeline of the project looked very different. You know, we had to consider that you know the, the programmers, the back end people, you know, the hardware folks, most of them were volunteering their time, and you know they were working at two and three o'clock in the morning. Not that that's unusual for IT folks; they seem to love that. But <clears throat> but in some ways, you know, that, that's where some of the differences are uh, when you when we start looking at schedules and timeline. And I think the last one for us is risk management and risk registers. Um, this is something that we find you know, occasionally gets overlooked in project planning. We, th- we think it's really a valuable exercise to work with our clients around identifying, assessing and planning, you know, how they will mitigate risks that are going to come up in the project. And as I said, often overlooked, but once we go through the exercise with them, always valued. So those would be my top three.
1: Those are really good tools and techniques to point people towards. And I think you kind of referenced the project management iron triangle. And for those listening that don't know what that is, that is the concept that there are three things you have to keep an eye on in a project. There's the scope, there's the schedule, and there's the cost. And if one of them changes, you're going to have to change the other two accordingly. And the project that you mentioned it looks like the schedule needed to be adjusted because your cost is lower right you have volunteers right so if you're if your cost goes down you're probably going to either have to decrease the scope or increase the timeline and it looks like you guys chose to increase the timeline so i think that's another really great thing to highlight um, in project management is you can't always have your cake and eat it too. You have to balance these things. This podcast is proudly brought to you by Puget Sound Project Management Volunteers. Puget Sound Project Management Volunteers helps impactful non-for-profit organizations achieve their objectives by connecting them with skillful project managers who can aid them in crystallizing their visions, leading project teams, and deconstructing their goals into achievable milestones. This service is absolutely free and can help your nonprofit organization get the extra help it needs so that you can spend more time making a difference in the world and less time on administration. Visit pm-volunteers.org to request the assistance of a project manager, 100% free of charge. No gimmicks, no catches—just one nonprofit helping another. So now we've taken a deep dive into the work that's so dear to our hearts with PMB, um, and now I want to shift the focus to another organization that you've co-founded. It's Propeller Social Enterprise Advisors. I know that it specializes in helping organizations develop their social purpose real estate projects. Now, what exactly does that mean? And why should nonprofits be seeking out these types of services?
2: Yeah, our uh, professional practice, we really work with uh, nonprofit organizations around two different types of real estate projects. And in one, in one scenario, we will work with an organization that perhaps uh, owns real estate assets, could be a building or a piece of land or both. And really what they're seeking to do with those assets is first of all, keep them in service to the community as opposed to perhaps selling them. And the second thing they're often looking to do is to um, increase the impact of that real estate on the community. So a great example of a typical project we might be involved in is where a church um, perhaps owns a very valuable, well-located piece of real estate. They have an older building on it, um, but what they really wanna do is they wanna stay in the in the community uh, with it Uh, perhaps a newer uh, building for the church, but they also want to build some affordable housing for the community on that land. So typically churches will have that as a goal or an aspiration and they see that as part of their mission, but they will not have the internal resources or understanding of um, how how to initiate, conceptualize, manage that project and bring it to fruition. So that's the gap that we fill is that we'll come in and we'll help them really from the very beginning of that to you know, what is their vision for the project, what are they hoping to achieve, um, you know, what sorts of resources do they have, and then we will start to work with them through the whole development path of the project. The second uh, type of social purpose real estate project we'll typically get involved in is where an organization has a need, a critical need for you know, a certain type of facility or building in order to accomplish its mission. And sometimes the challenge is for many nonprofit organizations is that, you know, they've they've landed in a space uh, by, you know, good fortune or by misfortune. Just, that's the best way to put it. And what's happened in the past few years, uh, particularly uh, here in British Columbia, is that because of the rising uh, value of real estate, a lot of nonprofit organizations have found themselves kind of pushed out of their spaces because owners of those properties have said well yeah we've been giving you cheap office space or cheap programming space for many years but now our property is worth a lot of money we want to develop it so we're sorry but out you go so a lot of our work there has been helping these organizations that are either you know uh, insecure around their facilities or they they need a better facility to do what they want to do is to find a way to you know either uh, buy a building you know, lease more space, renovate that space, find the funding to do that work uh, and get them into a position where they have the type of facility that supports their mission and also uh, they're going to have security of place that they'll be able to be there for the long term. So those are really that's kind of the short story around what we do and each one of those projects you know they they all have uh, their own uh, opportunities and challenges that that come with them. Uh, one of the things we are finding though is that there are you know as we as we do more of this work you know as particularly as we've done in the last five years is we're seeing there there are opportunities for organizations and even for uh, private asset owners you know to start to rethink the ways that they use their real estates and their, their assets and how they can work together. So I, I think that's very encouraging. I mean I'm, a, I'm an optimist by nature but you know we're starting to see partnerships where where even private developers and private landowners have said, you know we see ways where we could use part of our portfolio to perhaps help uh, you know a local nonprofit uh, you know, have a better facility for a, like a childcare or program delivery space or you know we see a way of taking part of this housing development and making it. Um, below market as opposed to making it market condos. So we're starting to see, I think, a lot more social consciousness in, in the real estate world. And we're happy about that.
0: And just tying it back to what we spoke about earlier on project management, what kind of a role do you think it plays in helping organizations develop their social purpose real estate initiatives?
2: Yeah, I mean, we are... Our practice, we currently have about $120 million of social purpose real estate projects that we're working on for our clients in our in our development path. And there are, as I said, they're all at various stages. You know, some of them are at early stage concepts, some of them are at feasibility, we have some in business plans, we have others that are in rezoning. So, you know, they're all a kind of a moving uh, train of projects and we rely very heavily on on project management uh, fundamentals to keep all of those projects uh, running smoothly and, and running in a way that mitigates the risks to our clients. Because another thing that we always have to keep in the back of our mind is that, you know, our clients typically are not organizations that could afford to take a multi-million dollar hit if their real estate project suddenly falls off the rails. So we pay very close attention to making sure that, you know, things like, you know, schedules are developed, that we have a risk register for the project, that we look at those risk registers, that we meet with their boards, and we engage their stakeholders. So, I mean, I think from what we do on Social Purpose Real Estate, you know, project management is an absolute foundational piece for us, and we could not do our work in an effective way or or in a good way for our clients without using project management.
0: And if organizations or individuals want to find out more about you or your services at Propeller Social Enterprise Advisors, where can they go?
2: They can check us out on LinkedIn. And they can email me at bob at propelleradvisors.ca. Um, we'd be happy to talk to them, see how we can help them out.
1: Excellent. Well, Bob, it's been Truly wonderful speaking with you. We've definitely both heard your name numerous times from our PMB team members, and it's a pleasure to finally sit down and actually have a conversation with you. You're very inspiring and you've definitely confirmed that we're on the right path and we'll continue to strive to accomplish the goals that we've set out. So thank you for your thoughtfulness and your trust and support.
2: Thank you. It was it was a pleasure to, uh, to finally meet you both. And uh, I'm a big fan and a big follower of of PMV Puget Sound.
0: If you don't already, please follow us on Spotify, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, leave us a rating and review, and share this episode with your friends. Thank you for listening. Until next time.